Praise Jesus. So good to be together. Like I said, we prayer, prayer just picks up by the Spirit of God with the truth of God. And we've been learning the art of agreement. And I want to thank everybody who joined us, everybody who gives permission for us to be engaged in this with their heart, just saying, I'm, I'm all for that, whether you pray at home or whether you just give us permission to pray or you come out during the day for a couple hours or four hours or just, you know, for 20 minutes. It's something that's building the atmosphere or keeping us in the right atmosphere of heaven and a place of agreement. And today, um, Lord, just quicken for me this whole thirst and why do we get thirsty for God? Because we weren't ever designed to live off of the drink of yesterday or the bread we ate yesterday. It's a new drink. It's a new revelation. It's a new communication. And there's so much promise. And I was just being swept into this awareness of my neediness, desire for a greater drink, you know, and pressing in for that drink and drinking and knowing that even Jesus said, I, if you come and drink, then believe there'll be a river flowing out of you and sensing that river flowing. So it was cool. But I'll, I'm a, enough of me. Let's hear some of the testimonies tonight from today's prayer. So, Eddie, why don't you come on up? And you were here first, so we'll let you start. Eddie gets here at 6 in the morning. When I got here this morning, I... Uh... I was asking the Lord, Lord, I, I'm going to let you speak to me today and uh, please minister to me the way you want to. So I sh showed up here and at Yesi's turn, the Lord came and told me that the Lord gave her Psalm 18 this morning. And if I wouldn't mind, she wants to really just pray to the Lord. I said, please go ahead. And she, she was on the floor flat on her face and she started weeping weeping and she read this I will love you O Lord my strength the Lord is my rock mm. and my fortress and my deliverer my God my strength in whom I my shield and the horn of my salvation, my stronghold. I will call upon the Lord who is worthy to be praised. So shall I be safe from my enemies. And she went on and on. And face, I, I, was, I was undone, you know. Lord, I, said, I want to be in this place. I want to be right where she is right now. I want to sense your presence. And the Lord ministered to us, ministered to us, and Larry came, and uh, Susan came, and you know, and we just started worshiping the Lord together. It was so glorious. The deep sense of knowing you are loved by the Lord is, is unspeakable. Yeah, no words to describe the unspeakable love of God when you sense his presence. And so this is what I want to pray over everyone here today. Make this your testimony. Make this your declaration. If you don't mind rising. Yes, please. Psalm 18, verse 
one, two, three. Please agree with me. I will love, love you, you, O Lord, Lord my, strength. my strength. The, the Lord, Lord is my rock and my, my fortress and my deliverer. My God, my strength, strength in whom I will trust. trust. My shield and the horn of my salvation. My stronghold. I will call upon the Lord who is worthy to be praised. So shall I be saved from my enemies. Amen. 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 Peter? That's so good. Strength of Scripture, read out loud to the Lord. So at the end of Pastor Steve's prayer um, group, um, I heard Pascal praying over him, and uh, he prayed over him a blessing in Hebrew. Mm -hmm. And Cindy said, "Say it again." She prayed. He prayed over Pastor Steve another blessing, the blessing again in Hebrew. And so him and his wife, Riva, stayed into our, Brian and my prayer shift, uh, Marilyn um, Christensen and Cindy Thorson and some of the others were. And I thought, well, Lord, thank you. That was good. It was a Hebrew blessing. And I thought, well, this kind of confirmed to me the scripture the Lord had me give at the beginning of our, our prayer shift. And it was uh, the cleansing of the lepers. Now, to fully understand this, uh, we have to understand what leprosy really symbolized in the Old Testament. It is a type, it's an indicator of sin. And it was one of the diseases that you could not be healed of without a miracle from God. Um, so as we read this, we'll see this, because the priest come and comes and examines the person who is saying that he's healed. And the ritual or the procedure, I should say, that the priest goes through is not for the leper's healing. It's as a result of the leper being healed. Mm -hmm. So I'm going to read that with that. So remember, there are kings that were rebuked by God because they sought the physician's advice and help before they sought the Lord. And there were kings that were rebuked by God because they did not seek God's advice and counsel before they went to battle. So with that in mind, let's, let's proceed with this. Leviticus chapter 14, verse 1. Then the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, This shall be the law of the leper for the day of his cleansing. He shall be brought to the priest, and the priest shall go out of the camp, and the priest shall examine him. Examine him. Now, he's not healing him. He's just checking out, did you really get healed? And indeed, if the leper is healed, uh, if the leper is healed in the leopard, then the priest shall command to take him, who is to be cleansed, two living and clean birds, cedar wood, scarlet, and hyssop. And of course, the scarlet, symbolic of the blood of Christ, as it was with Rahab the harlot. 
And hyssop is, of course, David says, Psalm 51, purge me with hyssop. It was a cleansing, purifying herb. And the priest shall command that one of the birds be killed in an earthen vessel over running water. Remember, the, the bird is symbolic of a sacrifice, as Christ would be. And the running water is, as Ephesians 5.16 talks about, the washing of the water of the word for the husband, for his wife, and for Christ to his bride. As for the living bird, he shall take it, the cedar wood and the scarlet and the hyssop, and dip them and the living bird in the blood of the bird that was killed over the running water. And he shall sprinkle it seven times, symbolic of perfection or purification, on him who is to be cleansed from the leprosy, and shall pronounce him clean, and shall let the living bird loose in the open field. He who is to be cleansed shall wash his clothes, shave off all his hair, and wash himself in water, again symbolic of the word, that he may be clean, and that he should come into the camp among the, the clean, and shall stay outside his tent seven days, again, for a process of purification. But on the seventh day, he shall shave all the hair off his head and his beard and his eyebrows, all his hair he shall save, shave off. He shall wash his clothes and wash his body in water, and he shall be clean. And I think about David and how he asked in Psalm 51 for the cleansing of the Lord, for the hyssop to be applied. And we realize that now the blood sacrifice here, the, self, the healing for the leper, which is symbolic of sin, is... The same thing for us. It cannot be done by visiting a physician or a psychiatrist or psychologist or any natural means. They did not have a cure for leprosy, nor is there a cure for sin except through faith in Christ. Mm -hmm. Faith by grace, we have been saved through faith. It is the gift of God. And whenever a leper was healed, it was always a gift. It was not in any way accomplished through human efforts, through no human concoction or drug or herb. The leper had to depend on the healing mercy of God. And so we too, we come down and we realize there's no longer a need for another sacrifice, a bird, no longer a need for the hyssop because Christ, the final sacrifice that Hebrews tells us, has been sacrificed for all, for the remission of all sin, for all time. And so we begin to pray and we begin to thank God for that great, great gift that God has given us that no man can give us, no institution no other remedy for the problem of sin than the blood of Jesus. And judgment first begins in the house of God. And God is purifying his church right now, getting ready because once God purifies the church, then he will move his judgment on 
to other places in our society, but first he starts with the church. And first he starts with us individually. And that's what we were doing on sun, Sunday in our meeting in the park on Saturday is search me, O God, like David said. Try me and know my most ancient thoughts, anxious thoughts, and see if there be any wicked way in me. Letting the word penetrate the very lower depths of our hearts. God is calling his church to repentance. That the times of refreshing may come. From his promised presence that he says is coming. The parousia. The coming presence of the Lord. And he's saying right now, in the same way, he wants us to come before him and rend not our garments, like they used to tear their garments. He says, rend your hearts, open up your hearts. And the wonderful thing about it is when the Holy Spirit comes, he comes to his church first to convict us, yes, the world, but also the church, to convict us, not to condemn us, because condemnation comes with guilt and shame, but conviction which comes from empowerment, with empowerment from the Holy Spirit. God enables us to change when the Holy Spirit convicts rather than condemns. And so if we can all stand and ask the Lord, this is a time I feel of heart searching and soul searching. And that means the soul is the mind, the emotions, and the will. God searching our intentions. God searching our very deep motivations of our hearts. So I just, if, if we can right now, Father, I ask that as you begin with your church first, that we could trust you, Lord, when we open up our hearts to you. You will meet it with your love and mercy. And Isaiah 55 says, and he will show us abundantly his pardon. Mm -hmm. Abundant pardon. Abundant. Mm -hmm. Not just pardon, but abundant pardon. <laughs> And so we receive that cleansing that comes through our confession and openness. Lord, we can trust you. It's hard to trust man, but we can trust you as we open our hearts to the conviction of the Holy Spirit. You will come in and cleanse and empower us and purge us like hyssop and you will help us to move forward and to, as the blood seven times that were sprinkled, you will bring maturity and completeness. You will finish the work that you began in us. You promised it in Philippians 1, 6, you began a good work in us. You will complete it. 
But it starts with us humbling ourselves. The scripture says, humble yourselves. It doesn't say, let God humble you. It's a, it's a choice we make to humble ourselves and open our hearts to him. And it says, if we humble ourselves, then he, God, will lift us up. He will not squash us and crush us and push us down for opening our hearts. Instead, when we humble our hearts, he will lift us up. He will abundantly pardon us. He will forgive and he will restore. Lord, do it in us. Start with us, Lord. Start with us so that we can bring that message of redemption that God lifts up those who are brokenhearted. Yes. He lifts up those who are honest in their hearts. He does not condemn, but he empowers. He shows us his love and his mercy abundantly, Lord. And may we be able by your grace to do the same to others, to release others, to forgive others, to pardon, not by our own strength, but by the empowerment that you give us through the Holy Spirit that lives in each and every one of us. We thank you, Father, in Jesus' name. Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. Amen. 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 Okay, who's next? Who'd like to share testimony? Yes, Allie. Yeah, um, it was so beautiful today because I came in and um, I haven't had my emotions react to the presence of the Lord like that in a long, long time. It's like you come in and you, you, you read the word because he's the word and you, you worship because he's worthy to be worshiped. But sometimes your emotions aren't like connected. It just feels like, okay, I'm doing this because you're worthy. I'm doing this because of who you are, but not necessarily like you don't feel it all the time necessarily. And today it was so powerful because as we were, I think whoever was before me was probably talking about the heart. That was like, there was just a, that spirit of like exchange felt like it was already in the room. And, um, and the, that beauty for ashes. And so it was, I felt like in my heart, like there's, it's time to exchange ashes and receive beauty. And that sounds so beautiful and so poetic, but sometimes it's like, I don't know about you, but I can feel lost in like, how do I do that? Like, and so it was like, just his presence was so sweet because it was as if he was leading us and leading Peter in songs about the heart and, um, you know, change my heart, oh Lord, and make it new. And it was like the Holy Spirit allowed us to see what that looks like and how to, how to put words to what, we, what really is the desire of our heart. And so um, I just found myself saying like, oh God, like all the places that are not disconnected, but that feel lost on the inside of my heart, all the places that are double-minded, all the places that like just aren't, uh, just aren't like, they don't feel whole or they don't feel like totally pure that I want, I want you, I want your heart to fill those places. 
I want your um, holiness to come. I want eyes to see and I want ears to hear and a heart that understands. I don't want to go through the motions, but I believe that, that it's possible to walk in the heart of the Lord, that that's actually possible to know the depth and the height and the width and the length of the love of God. And I know I can't, I can't love him rightly without receiving his love first, without him first knowing where I am, then I can find him. And um, so I just wanna pray for us because, mm-hmm. yeah, there's, I, I just feel like there's an ability um, to exchange. And Father God, I, I just thank you for your presence, Holy Spirit. We do, like, I, we all want to see you, God. We all want to live life with life, with real life flowing on the inside of us. I want to walk um, because on this planet with you, with the Holy Spirit, like you did, Jesus. I don't want to walk in front of you or behind or or uh, doing, having my own agenda, but I, wanna, I want you to be my God. I don't wanna be my own God. I want you to lead me. I want you to be what I'm looking at, not myself or anything, anybody else, anything else. Father, And I, I know that's possible. It's not by might and it's not by power, but it's by your spirit, God. I know, and I just, and so God, as we're in your word and as it's like that, soil is being tilled and um, you're making good soil so that those seeds can go in and germinate and and produce good or deep roots that will stay and not be tossed to and fro by wind and and randomness but but father i know that you're creating good soil on the inside as we as we're in your word god and father god so as best we can father we surrender to that god we surrender to real life with jesus real life as people that are followers of jesus is that we don't always know what we're to do but we look to jesus and we hold hands with you and we keep reaching up and we keep um bringing things to the altar and and getting beauty in exchange for those things and and looking like you the more we we're with you god and um you're not looking for perfection or like people that are at the end of a journey, but you're looking for um, humble and contrite spirit. And so, Father God, I, I welcome you. I welcome you in our heart to continue to, to pull out those things that don't belong there, to bring conviction, to, I, I just feel like it's the joy of a father to say, oh, perfect. No, that's not, that's not going to bring you life, but this is going to bring you life. And it's like so, he, I just feel like his heart yes. is so full yes. of joy yes. Yes. every yes. time we um, yes. read the scripture, whether we're understanding it or knowing now what do I do or whatever. I just feel like he, he has the heart of a father towards us. And so, and I just thank you, Father. Make our hearts soft, make our hearts pliable and humble and that we continually go before you and say, oh, that this isn't right, oops. Like, I, I, that's not a good heart, that my motives were way off, or I was just trying to impress, or this is prideful, or whatever. Father, you're so merciful. I felt your presence so strong. The second I opened my mouth and started saying, here's all my ashes. 
immediately there you are god in your mercy mm -hmm. and so father i just ask for the grace to continue to give you yes. our honesty and our real hearts and um, i thank you for your presence holy spirit in jesus name amen 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 we got time for one more anybody wants to share boys yeah Diana. Um, before we had worship tonight, we were praying, and um, I got a word from the Lord. I heard him say it like two or three times, and it was gap filler. And I just sat with it for a minute, and I, I recognized that Jesus is the gap filler, that he's the one that makes the way from here to the Father. So if there's anywhere you're struggling, anyone online, if, if you're struggling, like you want to get closer to God and, and mm. you're just feeling like you can't, I think Janae was like a sign of that today, that she stepped in. She stepped into Jesus. She stepped in and, and he filled that gap. And, and I just feel that the Lord's saying that. If there's any place where you're struggling, you feel like, I, I just feel like I can't get to the Father. Jesus is the gap filler. He's the one that bridges that gap. So would you just stand with me? I just really feel that that's a strong word for somebody. I don't know if you're here in the house. I don't know if you're online, maybe all of us. But Lord, thank you that you bridged the gap for us, that you're the one that makes the Father accessible. It's your sacrifice and your love and the redemption that we have because of you that bridges that gap, that there is no condemnation for those in Christ, there is no separation for those of us in Christ, that any place where we may be wrestling in our lives, I just hear God saying, put Jesus in that gap, wherever, whether it's in your finances or in a relationship or in a situational uh, thing, bring Jesus and actively place him in that gap and he will get us to the father quickly and easily and clearly in jesus name amen 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 okay this is perfect i i want to share an overview of job as far as how he came out of the argument I heard earlier this week, I've been listening to this uh, from chapter 32 to 42 is a, uh, oh yeah, and seven o'clock. So if you're here for shofar training, going back to the youth group, youth room, and everybody this Saturday at 7.30, men is men's inheritance. I really encourage us all to be together. We'll, we'll be at 7.30 for breakfast in the cafe, full breakfast. I mean, you won't even have to have lunch after this. Then we come in at eight for worship and we go till 9.30 and we're focusing how Job, there was a real physical loss to his livelihood and how, what were the places to which he responded so God returned his loss and restored it to a, a twofold, double. So I, it'll be online and will be live also. Then next Saturday at, I believe, 10 a.m. is going to be the Women's Valentine Gathering. And 
I'm just going to go ahead and say it. Ladies, we were given a gift of some very beautiful shoes, women's shoes, all women's shoes, and we are giving them away as a Cinderella moment. God wants to clothe your feet in the gospel of the preparation of the, you know, feet in the preparation of the gospel of peace, and they actually look good and feel good. So that's going to be a part of the morning. There's breakfast, but, you know, there'll be worship, there'll be the word, there'll be lunch, and there'll be this, this gift giving, this gift receiving. So please bring your friends, bring those who don't know Jesus. Tell them shoes, and then they'll find Jesus. You know, who knows? But it's going to be an ex a fun Saturday to let God love. And it was for to be with the one who loves us the most, loves his daughters. And then he went ahead and just got us a gazillion shoes to, to make it even that much funner. So I like that. I think God's like that. So the goodness of God leads me to repentance. So here, here we go. We'll take 10 minutes to give you an overview. I've been listening to chapter 32 through 42 for 10 days, almost every day, to hear and to watch. I was observant of what happened in my life about 13 years ago that got me out of where I was stuck. See, if God's not answering you, then it's time to listen to him. If, if he's not responding to what I'm saying, then there's a good chance it's something he can't respond to or won't respond to, and it's time for him to ask me questions. So what happens, in a quick overview, is at the end of chapter 31, the last words in verse 40 is, the words of Job were, are ended. Now, I would never want to have gone through what Job went through, nor would I want to have the friends he had to help him. Because for these plus almost 30 chapters, he is accused and, and he continually resisting their accusation that he's done something wrong, that's why he's in trouble. He's done something wrong. And so he's saying, no, I didn't do anything wrong. But in the process, he started justifying himself as he was righteous and God was not being just in his response. So in verse chapter 32, verse 1, it says, so these men, three men, ceased answering Job. So now Job's words are over and the men's words are open because he was righteous in his own eyes. I love the book of Job because it tells us things that you don't have opportunity to see unless the Spirit of God reveals it, unless you can see it in someone else and then go, oh, that's what I'm doing. So then the wrath of Elihu, he's the fourth friend. I believe he flows in the Holy Spirit in a picture of the Holy Spirit. It means uh, almighty comfort is his name, Barakel of the Buzite, and he, he was aroused. His, his wrath was aroused against Job. So he sat through this entire discourse for as long as it's taken, and he was aroused because Job justified himself rather than God. So the focus, like Ali was saying, you focuses under a duress and stress will tend to put us into ourselves. And we'll try to find an, uh, a, a place as to where we can hold ourselves. And he's also was aroused his wrath against his three friends because they found no answer and yet had condemned Job. So Job is putting things out. They don't have an answer, but they still just keep condemning him, which is really cheap, but very easy. Condemnation is very easy to pass around uh, because you don't, ha you don't have to have 
it accurate enough. You can just smear it on. on. And Job has been condemned by them. Now, so Elihu, he's younger, and he starts in chapter 32. He says, listen, I didn't speak because you are older. I wanted, I listened to what you said. You really were not, you did not answer Job, and you didn't help him. So he says, I'm going to, I'm going to speak. And I'm not going to please be partial. I'm just going to honor God. And so chapter 33, he begins by saying, please, Job, hear my speech and listen to my words. And now I open my mouth. My tongue shall speak in my mouth. My words come from my upright heart. My lips are pure knowledge. The Spirit of God has made me, and the breath of Almighty gives me life. And so in verse 8, he identifies, and you see, a lot, of, a lot of times in life you get stuck and you don't know how to get unstuck and you've got all this condemnation and stuff flowing over so you don't know what to do with that. And it's hard then for God to kind of identify your problem. But the only way I can get out of wherever I am is it's got to be about me. Because if it's about you, I can't change you. That means that you're greater than God because you're messing my, you're stopping me from going forward. So I've learned that eventually wherever the door of freedom comes, it's repentance by me seeing me and my relationship before God. So he says to Job, and he's helping Job see, uh, you've spoken in my hearing. I've heard the sound of your words saying, I am pure without transgression. I am innocent and there is no iniquity in me. And the, bot, and the bottom line is there's iniquity in all of us. And there's impurity in every one of us. There's none of us that can say, I've made my way pure. I'm free from my sin. Yet he finds occasion against me and counts me as his enemy. So now it, the, the, these pers- Job's word name in Hebrew means persecuted. So he's saying, I'm now in this conflict. And to my understanding... It's not me that's causing this, so it's God doing this to me. And he then, um, Joe, Elihu's now going to begin a, a, a uh, illustration. First he has to say to Job, God is speaking. God is speaking all the time. He says um, he may speak, verse 14, in one way or in another, and yet a man does not perceive it. In a dream, in a vision of the night, deep sleep, and falls and slumbers on his bed, and he opens the ears of man and seals their instruction in order to turn man from his deed and conceal the pride from the man. So God's moving us all the time and always looking to do so. He also speaks to us in our afflictions. Verse 19, man is also chastened with pain on his bed. I don't believe, and we'll find very quickly, that none of this is God doing evil. But in the moment we're in, we can pause and think about other things. And so it's his life. He abhors bread. He doesn't want to eat. His flesh wastes away. His bones are sticking out. And his soul draws near to the pit and his life to executions. But there's a messenger for him, a mediator, someone among a thousand to show man, not man's uprightness, but God's uprightness. The shift was not, again, it's always turning my attention from me to him. <laughs> and then all of a sudden God's gracious because he recognizes that man is 
return to the Lord, delivers him from going down the pit, finds a ransom, he'll be young like a child. And verse 29, God works all these things twice, in fact, three times with a man to bring back his soul. <clears throat> so he's having to say to Job, you can't say God's silent. He's not listening. It's his doing. He's always pulling us into the place of freedom, the door of escape. <clears throat> Verse 34, chapter 34, Elihu further answered and said, Job has said in verse 5, I am righteous. And I'm only pointing this out because you, you don't, we don't hear ourselves. But if we can hear Job, we can maybe hear ourselves. I am righteous, but God has taken away my justice. Should I lie concerning my right? My wound is incurable, though I am without transgression. <clears throat> then he says, what man's like Job, who drinks scorn like water? And I've been in these arguments. I've been in this pain of, I can't understand, I can't explain, how can I be here after what I, what I tried to do and submit myself and consecrate? How can I be in this place? <clears throat> but he has to point out, Job, you don't do this. Verse 10, therefore, listen to me, you men of understanding. Far be it from God to do wickedness and from the Almighty to commit iniquity. This is not God's doing to you, Job, but you are interpreting the injustice of it, and yet you are you're way below where God is. So how can you think you could pull him into this equation? Um <clears throat> Here's a picture. I love this. Verse 14 and 15. Uh, who, verse 13. Who gave him charge over the earth? Nobody did. He, it's his creation. Who appointed him over the whole world? Nobody did. He's the one who created it. If he, God, should set his heart on it. If he made this, if he decided, I'm going to gather to myself his spirit and his breath. Just pull it out of, out of creation. All flesh would perish together, and all man would return to dust. So we're being sustained all day long in ways that we can't even be aware of because it's just part of life that's flowing. If you have understanding, hear this, and listen to the sound of my words. <clears throat> um, he, I like this part. He talks about how he does not consider man. He doesn't need to have a court appearance with man. He understands man. He doesn't regard the rich above the poor, the poor above the rich. And it says, um, verse 23, for he need not further consider a man that he should go before God in judgment. He breaks in pieces mighty men without inquiry and set others in their place. So our, there are multiple things that God does that he does not have to inform us that he's doing it, or when he's doing it, or why he's doing it. All of this is meant to humble Job, because the pride of Job has now moved him into a posture where God is resisting him. And he does not, he's wanting for Job to see the pride, because that's the whole purpose of this exercise, is to dismantle the pride that's, that, that is holding Job and swimming in his heart. But we get up to that in a minute. He says in verse 35, Elihu says, Job speaks without knowledge. His words are without wisdom. Now, I can imagine Job's getting, he's not answering. And so he must be getting under a conviction of some sort. Uh, so moreover, verse 
chapter 35, Elihu answered and said, do you think this is right to say my righteousness is more than God's? For you say, what advantage will it be to you and what profit shall I have more than if I had sinned? So he's going to start elevating his vision. He says, look up, look into the heavens, verse 5, and see, behold the clouds. They are higher than you. If you sin, what do you accomplish against him? If your transgressions are multiplied, what do you do to him? So we're now containing this, this conflict to the, to the humanity. If you are righteous, what do you give him? And your righteousness as a son of man. And then he goes on and says, if you sin, it's against mankind. And if you're righteous, it's for mankind. So, but verse 10, he points out this little simple statement. But no one says, where is God, my maker, who gives the songs in the night? I have found in the, those uh, cross-bearing times, I, I'm searching for answers and trying to come up with a reason. It is best to seek the Lord and say, where are you, Father? And I want to hear more. Uh, they, uh, let me, verse, surely, verse 16, he ends by, therefore Job opens his mouth in vain. He multiplies words without knowledge. So he just, he's just getting himself in deeper trouble, but Eli is pointing it out so Job can start to see something. Elihu proceeds and continues, I will ascribe righteousness to my maker. Verse 5, God, behold, God is mighty, but he despises no one. He is mighty in strength of understanding. Um, he says in verse 8, and here is the true discipline of the Lord when the Lord is in, in disciplining us. may be painful for the moment, but it yields the peaceful fruit of righteousness. If they are bound in feathers, held in cords of affliction, then he tells them their work and their transgression, that they have acted defiantly. I know I like to always tell the Lord it was an accident. It really didn't mean to get there. It was the woman you gave me. She made me eat the apple. But it's, no, you made a decision. You went this direction. If they see that, if he tells them that. And he also opens their ear to instruction and commands that they turn from their iniquity. If they obey and serve him, they spend their days in prosperity and their years in pleasure. But if they do not obey, they shall perish by the sword and they shall die without knowledge. Just as it was in Isaiah chapter 1, it says, if you're willing and obedient, you'll eat the good of the land. If you refuse and rebel, you will be, you will, You'll die. You'll be. So there's this kindness of God through Elihu to try to take a man who's been under so much oppression, who's had to fight against so much condemnation and accusation, to try to return him to a softening heart before the Lord. So, indeed, um, verse 18 is an important verse, and I'm just picking out ones that have caught my attention. Because there is wrath, beware, lest he take you away with one blow, for a large ransom would not help you. When, when wrath is growing in me, I know there's a resolution that I'm not allowing to come to me. I'm choosing another one I want, and I want an outcome, and I'm putting pressure. Um, take heed, don't turn to iniquity, verse 21. 
Verse 24, remember to magnify his work of which men have sung. Verse 26, behold, God is great and we do not know him, nor can the number of his years be discovered. So what begins now is he moves from our position. Now he starts speaking of the largeness of creation. In chapter uh, 37, he thunders, verse 5, marvelous with his voice, and he does great things which we cannot comprehend. He causes, uh, he sends, uh, the, uh, verse 11, also with moisture, he saturates the thick clouds and scatters the bright clouds. And they swirl about and they're turned by his guidance that they may do whatever he commands them on the face of the whole earth. He causes it to come whether for correction or for the land or for mercy. So one, the same storm can come for correction, for the land, for the mercy. Listen to this, O Job. Stand still and consider the wondrous works of God. He comes from the north, verse 22, as golden splendor, like the majesty and sovereignty of God. With God is awesome majesty. As for the Almighty, we cannot find him. He is excellent, power in judgment, abundant justice. He does not oppress, therefore men fear him. He shows no partiality to any who are wise of heart. So I don't know exactly what has happened, but something has positioned Job to have an audience with God. Now, it's not going to be the one he thought he would get the one he thought he deserved, where he could question God as to how did I get here? and Why are you allowing this to happen? Why are you doing this? Uh, verse th chapter 38, then the Lord answered Job out of the whirlwind. And he said, who is this who darkens counsel, verse 2 of chapter 38, by words without knowledge? That is like kind of nicely saying, who is this idiot speaking? What are you talking about? What, you are darkening my counsel by words without knowledge. And this is, a, this is the, the Lord's judgment of Job over this matter, which is going to be the door that he gets out of because he's going to recognize this. So now prepare yourself like a man. I will question you and you shall answer me. And now God begins to ask him many questions beginning with, where were you when I laid the foundations of the earth? Tell me, if you have understanding. Who determined its measurements? Surely you know. Or stretched its line upon it? Or to what was the foundation fastened? Or who laid its cornerstone? When the morning stars sang together and the sons of God shouted for joy. So were you there? Do you know what I, how I did it? When I did it? He goes on... Um, Verse 16, I'm just jumping. All right, verse 12, have you commanded the morning since the days began and caused dawn to know its place? 16, have you entered the springs of the sea or have you walked in search of the depths? Have the gates of death been revealed to you or have you seen the doors of the shadow of death? Why is God doing this? Because Job has become so fixated on his pain and in, and in the pressure he's been through and in the persecution he's endured, that he is, has one answer, that this is not fair. I shouldn't be here. I don't deserve this. And God's, God's withholding his help from me. 
And now God's having to say, I'm sorry, there is a whole lot more that you have no comprehension of. So how can you take it, have the audacity to start thinking you know what's going on beyond what you can know? Have you comprehended the breadth of the earth? Tell me if you know all this. Uh, I love this, verse 22. Have you entered the treasury of snow? Or have you seen the treasury of hail? which I have reserved for the time of trouble, for the day of battle and war. Can you imagine that God keeps snow in a treasury and he keeps hail over here and he can use it for the day of battle and we've read enough Bible accounts. In fact, Revelation ends with hailstones coming down at about 100 pounds to deal with the Antichrist and deal with the whole rebellion of man against the, uh, the Lord. So... And then, and just in case Job might have thought he could do some of that, he says, can you bind, verse 31, the cluster of the uh, Pallades or loose the belt of Orion? These are star constellations. Can you bring the Maserat in its season? Can you guide the great bear with its cub? These are, can, do you know the ordinances of heaven? Can, so God is... In, making Job have to get out of his fixation and his loopy loop and his circular thinking and expand and re require him to go beyond what he can think. He goes on, uh, verse 39, chapter 39, he starts to talk about the creatures of creation. He talks about, do you know where the wild mountain goats have bear their young? Can you... Uh, do you know the, the mark the deers at giving birth? Verse 5, who set the wild donkeys free? Verse 9, will the wild ox be willing to serve you? He's now beginning to put the complexity of even just animal creation. Uh, the wings of the ostrich. I love this. Uh, verse 13, wave proudly. But all her wings and pinions like the kingly storks. They're not like the kingly storks. For she leaves her eggs in the ground, on the ground, and warms them in the dust. She forgets that a foot may crush them or that a wild beast may break them. She treats her young harshly as though they were not hers. Her labor is in vain without concern because God deprived her of wisdom and did not endow her with understanding. When she lifts herself on high, she scorns the horse and the rider. She can, she can outrun a horse, but she can't take care of an egg. Just the unique the diversity of things and the limitations and strengths. Then he goes on to the horse. Have you given the horse its strength? Have you clothed its neck with thunder? And it talks about a war horse. And these war horses that are, that are just being drawn into the battle and fear is far from them and... And he's talking about the, the um, horses. And he gets to um, verse, chapter 40, verse 1. And he says, answer me, Job. Shall one who contends with the Almighty correct him? So Job has to answer. He says now in verse 4 of chapter 40, the Lord, Job answered the Lord and said, behold, I'm vile. What shall I answer you? I, yeah, I lay my hand over my mouth. 
Once I've spoken, but I will not answer. Yes, twice, but I will not proceed no further. But that's, he shut Job up. Job shut up. That's the important first thing. But he's not done with Job. Then the Lord answered Job out of the whirlwind and said, Now prepare yourself like a man, and I will question you. And without taking time, because I want us to have a moment to pray. From chapter 6, or I will just finish it this way. From verse 6, he begins to deal with pride. And first he says, listen, I want to ask you this. Uh, Can you look on everyone, verse 11. Can you look on everyone who is proud and humble him? Isn't that interesting that only God can humble a man? Only God can bring us to true humility, which brings abundance of grace and repentance and all the beautiful things humility brings. Look on everyone who is proud, he says to Job. Bring them low. Tread down the wicked in their place. Hide them in the dust together. Bind their faces in hidden darkness. Then I will confess to you, Job, that your own right hand can save you. So it's like when, when Jesus said, if you worry about this and you worry about that, but you can't even add a, 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 you know, a simple cubic to your lifespan, and that's something, how I, then how are you concerning yourself with things that they're, out, they're, not, they're not even within your scope of doing? But then he begins to talk about the behemoth, which we don't know exactly what kind of a creature. It could have been alligator-type animal. It could be a hippo, rhinoceros. It's... It's strong, it's, 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 and it is unmoved by the currents and even overflowing of Jordan. Then chapter 41, he goes in for the jugular. And he says, can you draw out Leviathan? Chapter 41, verse 1. If any of you Bible studies, you know Leviathan is Satan. It is the dragon. It is, it is him. Who, who destroys the effects of men and affairs of men. And, and we have to, we are beyond our ability to, you know, it's the Lord rebuke you, Satan, versus us in thinking we can just kind of push him out of the situation. Can you draw Leviathan out with a hook, snare him? Can you put a reed through his nose? <laughs> I'll tell you one thing, and I've had this, and I've learned this, and I, I verse 8, Verse 7, can you fill his skin with harpoons or his head with a fishing spear? I think he's a, he's a sea creature. He could have even been a dragon of, of old, of, of, of you know, something that's now extinct. Lay your hand on him. Remember the battle. You'll never do it again. Not somebody you take down. No one is so fierce as him, verse 10, who would dare stir him up, who then is able to stand against him talks about no way of stopping him. Verse 28, arrows cannot make him flee. Sling stones become like stubble to him. Darts are regarded as straw. He laughs at the threat of javelins. His undersides are like sharp potsherd, and he spreads pointed marks in the mire. He makes the deep boil like water. One would think the deep had white hair. So there's some massive up Heaval of the water as he travels across the surface. He leaves a shining wake behind him. One would think that he had white hair. On earth there is nothing like him, which is made without fear. He, and this is the last of the verse, he beholds every high thing. 
He is king over all the children of pride. So the way, the simple picture would be that you've got, we all have Leviathan swimming in our heart to some degree where he rules and we, we submit and we flow in that stream and we, we join with that kind of um, self-sufficiency and self-righteousness. And, and, and there's nothing until God wants a moment for us to see it and have a conversation where he puts us in a position we can't answer him that we have a chance to get to a, a moment like Job does. Chapter 42, Job answered the Lord and said, verse 2, this is, this is such a sovereign response. I know that you can do everything. Never think God cannot do what God said he will do or cannot get into, inject himself into any situation as he chooses to or bring anything to a conclusion except the one he wants it to. He can do everything. No purpose of yours can be withheld from you. That's huge. His mind's off of himself. He's no longer in pain or pity or confusion or, or conflict. You asked, who is this who hides counsel without knowledge? Therefore, I have uttered words what I did not understand. I don't know how many times I've spouted out my mouth I know what's going wrong. I know what needs to be done. I know who did it. I know why it's happening. As though I was like some, I was on the, uh, on the level of God who has so much knowledge that he never even allows me to be a part of. Therefore, I've uttered what I did not understand. Things too wonderful for me which I did not know. Listen, please, let me speak. I said, I will, I, you said, I will question you. You shall answer me. So here we go. Here's the answer. I have heard of you by the hearing of the ear, but now my eyes see you. Therefore, I abhor myself and repent in dust and ashes. I cannot, only God can humble a man to the point that he was complaining about injustice being the, 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 what was being given to him for his righteousness. Now he's saying, I abhor myself and I repent in dust and ashes. I, I, I want to read a verse, then I'll pray a prayer. We've got a few minutes and we can have small groups that want to have a chance to pray. But this is so profound. If sometimes you hear things like this and go, where, what would the be, what's the use of this? Well, God's bringing us out of pride. Pride is the original sin. Psalm 131, one of my most favorite psalms, would be the fruit of Job or any of us when we've walked through a correction by the Lord and he gets a hold of us and we really truly have come to see him in his sovereignty and his majesty. Psalm 131. I love this. This is a song of ascent and it's a song of David. Lord, my heart is not haughty, nor my eyes lofty. Neither do I concern myself with great matters, nor with things too profound for me. Surely I have calmed and quieted my soul like a weaned child with his mother, like a weaned child is my soul within me. This is that bringing ourselves into that quietness and submission and trust and fear of God. Israel, hope in the Lord from this time forth and forevermore. 
Father, I just ask you right now for each of us. We are all people of journeying toward Christ and we've given you our life in totality. And yet, like Job, there can be moments where we get stuck and we just can't make sense of where we are, why we are, where we are. And then pressure comes and others accuse and tell us where we are, why we are, and what we got to do. And before you know, we're locked up and we don't know how to get out. But you can bring us out of self-righteousness into justifying God and to seeing the largeness and majesty. We know you are good. There is no wickedness in you. You do know iniquity. You do not, when we are tempted, we cannot say we're being tempted by God, for you are not tempted by evil, nor do you tempt any man with evil. We come into our own struggles because of our lust and fears that force us to act in a way that brings us into sin. And when sin conceives in death, and you and your mercy continue to call us back unto yourself. We thank you, and we ask you in these days as we converse with you, that you would find each of us where we are and help us see where we are until we are free to acknowledge to you where we are and not justify ourselves in any way. And then, Lord, we ask you for the, for the pouring out of your help as you did from Job, as you broke through. Now, once, that, once Job heard you and answered you correctly, then there was no more conversation. There was no more devil. There was no more conflict. There was no more need of the outward props that were causing Job to come into his stuckness. Do the same for us. Turn our captivity like the, like the streams in the south. Move in a way where, where we are and cannot get out of. We come to you and you come to us. And now you bring us out of that into a broad place and a beautiful work. We're asking you to do that for each of us. We submit ourselves to learn what we cannot see and to encounter you in a way that's more than we've encountered you ever yet before. In Jesus' name, amen.